the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You can drive all night Looking for the answers in the pouring rain You want to find peace of mind Looking for the answers Funny how it seems like yesterday Is I Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Oh, it's Monday, right? It feels it feels it's hardcore today for some reason. Anyhow, um, I'm here for you. Let's talk money. Let's talk investing. Anything you want to chat about? Market participants. Um, it's going to be a holiday kind of feel to it for the next couple of weeks. Um, Markets are typically, they opened lower, but they kind of made a little bit of a comeback. Market participants are running headlong, again, into the reality that the global economy is just not firing on all cylinders. China reported a 6.7% decline in imports for the month of November, triggering worries about a growth slowdown. The Shanghai Composite rallied 2.8%, um, following the news, because it presumably strengthens the case for uh, stimulus, monetary stimulus, cheap money. Uh, energy stocks are anticipated to be among the early laggards. Oil prices are getting clobbered. Um, again, on the Chinese trade data, which also featured a weaker-than-expected 4.7% increase in exports. And press reports highlight uh, today that Morgan Stanley's cut light last week to its average Brent crude oil price. For 2015 to $70 a barrel from $98 a barrel, and for 2016, $88 a barrel from $102 a barrel. So, again, we are seeing a kind of a prolonged expectation of cheaper oil. Prolonged being a year and a half. Uh, not exactly the worst ever in your life, but you get the idea. <clears throat> Merck has kept. A little M&A fires burning going. They offered to acquire Kibis Pharmaceuticals, which is a global leader in antibiotics, for approximately $9.5 billion, or $102 a share. That's a 35% premium. That's nice. Merck is higher on that indication. Um, McDonald's, they're indicated lower today, and they are lower, after reporting a disappointing 2.2% decline in global comparable sales for November. That included declines across all geographic segments. And that, again, the negative there is it's pretty obvious. McDonald's is losing America, and it's because the quality of food is my best guess and not because of the low-cost menu. With that said, cheaper oil will equal cheaper gasoline. Cheaper gasoline will mean people have more dollars in their pockets. Maybe they'll splurge in retail. Or maybe they'll splurge in restaurants. But uh, McDonald's reported same-store sales down 2.2% month-over-month. McDonald's announced its fourth quarter results on the day as well. Um, No, they they talked about their fourth quarter results, excuse me. And again, anytime you see same-store sales fall 2.2%, they're going to have to come back and say, you know what, our expectations were a little bit too high, so we're going to slash these numbers a little bit. McDonald's is trying to simplify its menu and implement a more locally driven organizational structure to increase relevance with its consumers. Um, but those disappointing numbers. And again, it's you know competition with Chipotle. Federal Reserve showed some work on this, believe it or not, that the consumers actually shifted towards outlets like Chipotle and away from outlets like McDonald's. Grumpy Cat, and this is again... One of the reasons the world is failing, or at least the United States, 
The grumpy cat with a relentless look of mal- just anger. Uh, grumpy cat, isn't that cute? How much has grumpy cat made? His name is actually Tartar Sauce, and in two years... You know, just from posting a couple pictures, he's made $99.5 million. Grumpy Cat has had a best-selling book, a film. Uh, cat is unstoppable. What this cat's achieved in a short time is unimaginable. It's mind-blowing. A cat has made $99.5 million in two years. Just from an appearance on social media... Grumpy the Cat, its earnings have dwarfed many of the biggest names in Hollywood, like Gwyneth Paltrow. $99.5 million. Are you with me or against me? That's a bit of a shocker. It's a bit of a shocker for me. Maybe not a bit of a shocker for you, but darn it, I'm more important than you. Grumpy the Cat made $99.5 million. That's shocking. Uh, in you know the vein of the big philosophical questions of the world, of if you've made ninety nine and a half million dollars, would you still be grumpy? Probably not. Um, what else is out there? United Auto Workers and Detroit are prepping for some talks. So six thousand dollars for bonuses for two thousand fourteen for the auto workers at GM and Ford, capping a four year contract that granted profit sharing checks in record amounts. Uh, but the UAW is prepared to argue that that's not good enough. Alibaba's in the news. And they're talking about Alipay and how many transactions it handles in mobile devices. Alibaba disclosed that data. They said 54 out of 100 payments made with Alipay this year through October came from mobile devices indicating that China's more than 500 million smartphone users are growing more accustomed to using their handsets and mobile apps as payment tools. Last year was just 22 out of every 100. Lulu Le Mans, um, excellent um, company to study. They do yoga apparel. They're trying to boost sales with some more embellished patterned items. Um, Lulu Le Mans. Best shot at regaining the top spot in the world of fitness could be through a pair of $102 pair of tights in a gold sequence print, or maybe a black and white jacket in a floral array. They scheduled to report their earnings for the quarter ended in October, and analysts are going to be looking for on Thursday to see if it's recently revamped product line. Uh, you may remember they got into the black sheer yoga pants controversy. Yoga pants, yoga clothes are becoming very, very, um, they're very trendy. They're very stylish at this point in time. And they seem to be the go-to versus uh, denim jeans at this point. A uh, lot to, you know, consume there. A lot to think about. But, uh, you know, the goal is, is that we always try to get ahead of these things a little bit. Company's performance would be the strongest if they hit the numbers that they're expected to, telling you that they've kind of turned around. They posted a sharp drop in earnings and inventory buildup in its first quarter. Company rebounded the next quarter. So this is this is their time. So Lulu Limon, Thursday. We'll talk about it probably on Friday. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220.
I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Money, investing, and more. Taking a look at some of the market numbers out there today and stories. This time of year, we're going to hear a lot about um, 2015. We're going to hear a lot about, you know, are low oil prices good or bad for the U.S. economy? They've dropped a lot this year. Saying that there's not a lot of inflation, but this will mean inflation in the future. Unless oil drops to zero, and then we'll all be driving around for free, right? That's not going to happen. So 2015 is going to be a tougher year than 2014 in my opinion, um, for global businesses. Not necessarily for U.S. businesses, but for global businesses. U.S. Economy, economy is relatively strong approaching the new year. Let's um, take a look at the market numbers. and We have the S&P 500 down fractions. The Dow is down 6. The Nasdaq's up 10. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. Chad Burton is a certified financial planner with newfocusfinancial.com. Expenses in retirement significantly impact your retirement cash flow. Some studies studies suggest that retirement expenses may be 60 to 80% of your current expenses. I don't know if I trust any of these studies because we all differ like golden clay. Those studies are ridiculous. I don't know if they've ever looked at anybody when they actually retire. From my experience, people spend more money the first five years of retirement than when they were working. Now, every, almost every single time. Is it fair to say that age 60 to 70 in retirement, your expenses, you should probably count on 100% of what you're doing while you're working? Or maybe... It's, it's typically more. Okay, you think it's more. Okay. Because what happens when you retire, and I've, I've said this so many times on the air, I know, but it, still people have to be aware. When you're working, you get your health insurance paid for. Right. When you turn 65, you have to sign up for Medicare. Medicare Part A is free. Medicare Part B costs you over 115 bucks a month, but it's still not enough. So you need supplemental insurance, you need prescription drug coverage, and you need long-term care protection as well on top of those costs. So you have to figure five to $700 a month per person in retirement. You have to figure your expenses for your vacations. And a lot of retired people are now having to help their kids, Rob, because the unemployment rate coming out of college is, is, is a little bit too high. Um, and you should focus on that now, too, if you're you know, 40 years old planning for your kid's college education and they come to you and they want to major in philosophy, Yep. and you're going to send them to a high college cost for that, you are wasting your money because they're going to just be living on your couch or in your basement again. So, so beware of that. Having a budget is critically important. And let me explain how boring having a budget is. You have housing costs, garden, home repair, home insurance, landscaping, property taxes, rent, uh, telephone, utilities, waste disposal. You have transportation, bus, gas, insurance, license, parking, repairs, vehicle payment. You've got food and beverages, groceries, beverages, restaurants, personal work, appliances. You've got clothing. You've got entertainment. You've got education. You've got gifts that you want to give, medical and dental, obligations like child support, um, postage, life insurance, disability insurance, credit cards. You've got personal care like haircuts. Most people don't think of everything that you have to budget, and in retirement, you got no more. you're not going back to work. So it's critically important that you have a detailed budget that includes pets. If you got a dog or cat in retirement and the dog gets sick, that's a couple thousand dollars sometimes. You, I can't even start an investment portfolio plan for a person unless I know approximately what they're spending. Right. Because cash is king. Right. All right. So use the stupid term cash is king for any portfolio. And when you're younger, minimum of six months of expenses in your emergency reserves. If you're in like a, the tech industry sales where people jump jobs all the time yeah. or the healthcare sales industry where Every two to three years, they're working somewhere else. Um, a lot of times, we'll have those families have at least a year. But when you're retired, it's key that you have three years' worth of expenses. And so I have to figure out how much I have to carve out of the rest of the portfolio to keep in cash outside of management. And then I can go based on how long somebody's going to live, what they need for expenses, and figure out how much they need in stocks, bonds, commodities, and real estate. Um, but the expenses, like you know, those long-term projections and a good financial plan – also, in retirement, you have to have a very good detailed income plan, a spreadsheet that you can look at that says year over year over the next 10 years, where is my money going to come from? Which accounts am I going to be drawing from in retirement? Yeah. 
I can do that as long as I know what the expenses are. And that's key because you, you want to be comfortable in retirement and knowing where your dollar is going to come from out of which accounts, because people are retiring with Ross, IRAs, 401ks, taxable accounts. And it gets confusing. Which one do I draw from first? And a comfortable retirement is, is one where you're very aware of where the money's going to come from. A couple expenses that may actually decrease in retirement. I've tried to think of them because we're going with a negative on increases, but your taxes probably will go down. If you do it right, yeah. Your um, move to a state that has lower tax bracket, and it will. Or move to a state that has no sales tax, and it will. Um, the mortgage probably paid off. That's an expense that should go down in retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, what else would there be? Maybe a reverse mortgage where you could actually start drawing capital from your home and you're actually paying yourself instead of – you see where I'm trying to go with this? Yeah. So you know, if we hit these one at a time, um, the taxes that go down. If you do your income planning right, you can maintain a lower tax bracket in retirement. Okay. The problem is that people spend all their cash first and then their taxable accounts and then they hit their IRAs. And at 70 and a half, you're forced to pull a certain money out of your IRA accounts whether or not you want to. So you, Roth. You can have your Roth go total. Right. Roth Ross don't have that minimum credit distribution. So people need to make sure that they're pulling they, – they look at their IRAs right from the start and pull enough out to maintain that 15% federal bracket from the beginning. That way they can have a, a low-level bracket for their entire lifetime rather than just put off the withdrawals forever. So – that's how you have to deal with with that scenario. Um, other expenses that go down, it's really things like you know dry cleaning because you're not working anymore. Okay. Eating out should go down. Um, hopefully, but, hopefully your children's education costs have gone down. Right. Right. Otherwise, you're making babies at way too late of life. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else that we need to know about uh, managing your cash flow in retirement? Well, no, it, it, again, it's you know unfortunately a lot of people go to a financial advisor. And if they're not asking you those detailed questions or requiring it as part of a comprehensive financial plan, and then they give you some basic boilerplate plan, and at the end of it says buy this annuity or this insurance product, you know you're going the wrong direction. There you go. It has to be personalized and tailored. Yep. And they have to actually get to know you. Because like, if you have a special needs kid, I mean, there's just so many curveballs that could come up, and you don't want to see that, that. Anyway, you get the idea. I've been speaking with CFP Chad Burton. It's Certified Financial Planner Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can call the show 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Let's see if Kevin's still on the phone. Kevin in San Francisco. Hi, Rob. This is Kevin, long-time listener. Thanks for the show. Um, I'm about to uh, refinance from a five-year arm into a 30-year fix, and my lender's presented me an option of either doing a 4% uh, loan or uh, buy down the the rate to 3.875 for... uh, for about $5,000, $800,000 loan, you'd write that $5,000 into the new loan, and I'm wondering what would be the better option for me. I plan to keep the condo for, for quite a while. I'd always go with a lower rate if you're going to keep the condo for a longer while. Okay, great. So Thank you. Thanks for the call. Yeah, Kevin, somewhere around, and he's asking a question of he's going to you know, take an $800,000 loan out on a condo, which is, it makes me want to vomit and then like eat the vomit again and then have a rat come in my mouth, eat the vomit and the rat dies in my mouth, like $800,000 for a condo. Holy mackerel. Um, and probably even higher than that if he's putting a down payment on. But um, the idea is, you know, a 4% or 3.875, you could do the math. And when does it, you know, break out even to have that lower rate? It's crazy that we ha- live in a world where there is that question of buying points or not buying points. It'd be a mistake if he were to be in and out of that apartment condo in like three years, because the break-even is going to be somewhere like three, three, four, five years. Um, and again, I I haven't looked at his numbers, but his um, lender probably has shown him what they are, and it's a pretty easy decision in my opinion. As long as you take a look. So anyway, um, one of the things that I like to do at the end of the year is look at what people said at the beginning of the year. And there's a guy named Byron Ween who's sort of a legend on Wall Streets. He his predictions are widely followed each and every year. So you kind of rate him on how he did. And he said something kind of interesting at the 
beginning of last year, he said, we'll have a Dixian market, the best of times, the worst of times. He wrote that these best of times and worst times, not only have we seen the S&P 500 gain more than 10% again and the bond market rally, but there's a very good chance you're not happy about it. So we saw a steep correction in tech stocks in March, a similar plunge in oil and gas stocks recently. The price of oil is cratered. In October, we got our first 10% correction in two years during a violent few weeks in the market. But again, best times, worst times. He's kind of right about that. Um, he saw total returns for the year around 20%. We're right around 14%. His numbers look a little high with only a few weeks left. But he's typically more often than, he's typically right more often than wrong. Talk about the dollar strengthening. We'll take a look at all the top stories when we come back. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial, money, investing, and I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Remember when we were going to break, I was talking to you about this guy named Byron Ween. He's one of the best investors of all time. He comes out with annual predictions, annually, which makes sense if you're going to do an annual prediction list. And told me that he's typically more right than wrong. But I started off with one of his rights, and he does ten. I think it's always 10. Pretty positive it's always 10, but work with me on that. So the first one was that we all have the best times, worst times. And he's right. We did kind of have a year where there were some, you know, crashes in oil, in tech. Uh, but overall, it was pretty good. He's wrong about the number. He thinks we're going to be up 20% for the year, and maybe we'll have a massive five and a half, six 6% rally at the end of the year in the last three weeks. I doubt it. Typically doesn't happen. He talked about how the U.S. was going to break out of its doldrums. He was right about that. He talked about the dollar strength, and he was right about that. And that's where it starts to get a little bit dicey. So he's basically right on about three and a half of his predictions out of ten. Uh, he talks about how Japan was going to get into trouble. And he was kind of right there. He predicted that, you know... Um, Japan would say deficits, do, deficits don't matter. He saw a call for a 20% second half correction in Japanese stocks. He's wrong. It's been a massive rally. So is he going to be wrong next year? Or does his correction play out over 15 months instead of 12? That's kind of brutal. He was wrong. He said China's growth rate would slow to 6%. It didn't. 7.3%. With that said... Um, China sometimes doesn't give out real information. Um, he thought WTI crude oil would top $110 a barrel. Nope. In fact, as U.S. oil production boomed, it caused prices to crater. So he predicted the commodity prices would reverse as a group. And commodity prices won't stop falling. He think He thought... That he'd see, you know, a rising standard of living around the world would create more demand. Um, hasn't happened. Crude oil prices have dropped considerably this year, and while many have looked to an increase in global supply as a reason for the decline, the entire commodity complex has been a problem from corn to wheat, soybeans to cotton. He predicted the 10-year treasury would rise to 4%. He was wrong. He predicted the Affordable Care Act would have a big turnaround and Democrats would retain control of the Senate. He was wrong. Um, performance for the Obamacare did improve. Uh, 
um, you know, some of the expectations for enrollments were starting to beat, the numbers were beating. Um, but overall, it has been down. Listen to this. Uh, Obamacare enrollment is expected to fall between 9 and 9.9 million in 2015, down from the prior expectations about 13 million. Um, and the midterm elections were a disaster for the Democrats. So here's one of the greatest investors of all time making 10 predictions on the short term, one year. And he was wrong on 6 out of 10. What's that tell you? That a smart guy made a bogus call? A little bit of that. So just kind of work with that in your head. That you know, Watching people and even listening to people like me, <clears throat> I try not to state the short term, but sometimes I do. Um, you know, again, I continue to think that 2015 could become a challenge based on higher interest rates, but higher interest rates will probably happen based on an improving job economy. So, you know, it's rock, paper, scissors, it's Rochambeau, it's a little tough to figure out the exacts of this. But we won't be up every year, we know that, and we've had an amazing run, so we're guarded. Biotech companies are outperforming today after Cubis Pharmaceuticals was acquired by Merck. Bank of International Settlements warns of potential credit shock in Asia stemming from the strengthening dollar. Oh boy, like that's one that we need to start thinking about. China's trade surplus expands to 50.54.47 billion as imports fell and exports increased. China's got a problem. They ship out a lot more than they consume. Um, United States, we consume a lot more than we ship out. Japan's third quarter GDP was revised down to negative one-half of 1% quarter over quarter. That was about in line with what was expected. Financials are doing well today. Healthcare stocks, telecom services, and utilities. Some defensive areas of the market. And the financials. Weakness is seen in consumer discretionary, energy, industrials, and materials. So that's kind of a wrap-up on that. Uh, Walgreens, the nation's largest retail pharmaceutical chain, they announced something kind of interesting, a deal with a telemedicine company, MD Live, that's going to bring customers around-the-clock access to physicians. It's the latest push to provide its customers with digital health technology, while the partnership for MD Live further establishes the company and the telehealth industry as not a passing fad. So... CVS, Walmart, um, everyone's trying to come up with these angles to get your relationship. MD Live's virtual visit or consultation with a doctor cost $49, though much of that could be less depending on your health insurance coverage. Supporters also of this idea see opportunities as the Affordable Care Act, you know, has some wiggle room to change. You can find me online at robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Tweet me at rob at robblackshow or tweet me at robblackshow. Email me rob at robblackshow.com. Follow me on YouTube, Rob Black Show. Take a break here. Be right back. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 
516-1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. One of the things I like to do is look at people's disasters and their fails. It's a pretty good way to learn what not to do. I can teach you what to do. I can teach you what not to do, right? We can play that game. Former NBA player Antoine Walker. He's only 38 years old. He earned over $110 million throughout his NBA career. Four times what the average NBA player makes in their career. Guess what? He's broke. He came into the league as a 19-year-old. Back in 1996, he had a financial advisor help him establish a plan for his long-term finances. But he was arrogant. He was ignorant. He was stubborn. These are things you don't want to be. He grew up in a poor family. He was the oldest of six. He was set on providing for his family, and it didn't take long before that whole rookie salary was gone. So, first lesson, providing for your family. Watch out. Um, I know a lot of people whose parents are going to be in financial turmoil, and you want to help them. I know a lot of parents who want to help their kids, and to the detriment of their own finances. The dude quickly loved all the things in life that was great and luxury, from Bentleys and BMWs. He had a $350,000 car. Um, he never wore the same designer suit twice, which is financially mind-blowing to me. His generosity extended beyond his family to his friends as well. Another big lesson, right? He made sure everyone in his circle enjoyed the lifestyle that he had. He gambled extensively. He lost over $650,000 in gambling in just two years. Um, <clears throat> he put some of his money into 140 properties on the south side of Chicago. Um, so he had a full range of real estate investments meant to maintain the lifestyle he had built for his family after retiring from the league. But that was right during the housing bubble. He hit rock bottom in 2010 when he went bankrupt, citing $12 million in liabilities with $4 million in assets. Um, be cautious. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Let's bring in CFP, Chad Burton. Joining me now, CFP, Chad Burton. You can find him, as always, at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Chad, we recently got into a discussion with a caller who was afraid of the markets. Mm -hmm. And that concept is funny to me because... Markets don't, like, intrude into your life. They don't chop down your door. They don't steal from you. And to be afraid of the markets tells me he's probably approaching investing with the wrong attitude. It's more of a gamble for him than an investment. Well, people get afraid of their emotions. So, I mean, you know, I've been in the business for almost 20 years, and you see large corrections. And, and what I've learned very quickly is people have very short-term memories. Um, every year you tend to have three... A, you know, an average of three, five to seven percent corrections, and every three years, a twenty percent correction. And unfortunately, people invest with their emotions, where they think they can be smarter, and they think that timing the market really makes a difference. The fact is, is that you know, every time you look at corrections, five to ten years out, the chart's going to be higher. So if you think you can time that and save money and be in cash with all of your assets, you're insane. The better approach is is to be in stuff that that you like. If the market conditions change and you're more of a slow growth economy or recession, you go more into defensive things that pay more dividends. So the chart will be higher eventually. And why not along the way? Why not collect these dividends and continue to add to the number of shares so that when the chart's higher, you have more shares and you're a happier person? Um, so if you're sitting there with cash, the markets run up, and now you're sitting at all-time highs and you're thinking – well, did I miss it? Should I go in at all? You get this panic situation to buy. So then you go from a panic situation to sell now now to feel anxious about buying. 
So for people that are like that, what they really need to do is have a dollar cost averaging plan where they say, okay, I'm going to create my financial plan. I need to know where I am in life. I need to know what asset allocation is going to get me to my goals. And then pick three to six months where you average into your portfolio. You do it systematically. On uh, I like to do it every two weeks. But uh, if you're doing it on your own, maybe you do it every month. And you you don't let the emotions drive your decisions. You write your plan down on paper and you build your portfolio over time and you rebalance on at least an annual basis and stick with that. That has worked over the last 110 years. Nothing, no, I've never met anybody that times the market perfectly. Timing the market in retirement is imper- important only when you peel off your gains, but not trying to be in or out. It doesn't work that way. And that's why I like dividends, because when you invest in dividend-paying stocks, you get paid to wait. And some stocks you get paid 2 to 5% to wait. Um, so you know, you've got to have a plan that takes the emotion out of it. I will say this, Rob, that the 2013 highs that we're seeing right now, um, read an article the other day at Bloomberg that was talking about if you look at any other market high where the market gets to a high point and has trouble breaking through it over a period of time, if you look at the price-to-earnings ratio, the P.E. ratio at other market highs that we've had since the 80s versus now, stocks are actually cheaper on a P.E. ratio basis. So um, you know, right now the, the proof's in the pudding in terms of companies being able to continue to grow their earnings but it's not like stocks are outrageously expensive at this high. It's just that markets have a tougher time. Once they get to an all-time high, it takes a while to break through it. Sounds good. As far as the opposite of that, where people you know, see instead of the markets as fearful, they see the markets as, ooh, I can make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I have to tone those people down too. Like I have to uh, you know, ramp up and, and cheerlead the people who think things are evil, and I have to ramp people down who think things that are speculative. Yeah. Um, and and it, it runs deep. You know, Google's had an amazing run at a period of time going from 600 to 850. And people forget last time they reported earnings, the stock fell 10%. That's like be greedy when others are fearful, be fearful when others are greedy. And you just got to temper your enthusiasm. Everything in moderation, even moderation. If you feel like you're pushing the buy or sell bu- button based on any type of emotion, come back to it in 24 hours. Because I bet. The next day, you'll be able to find an article that makes you think the other way. There's always news out there. There's always Greek debt, European debt, U.S. debt, uh, you know, Lehman Brothers, whatever it may be. There's always something that can make you either fearful or greedy if you read. Overall, how do you think greedy and fearful people end up on Wall Street? How they end up on Wall Street? Yeah. How do you think it ends for them? In a sleeping bag outside of a building on Wall Street? <laughs> I'm with you. So just try to cut greed, and I guess that's where we came back to. The guy was fearful of the market, and I guess all we need to say is cut greed and cut fear out of your emotion base when it deals with investing for the future. It makes me want to find Spock and hire him because he had no emotion. It's interesting because one of the things that I – yeah, I'm, I'm kind of the Spock of money. Um, it's interesting. One of the things that I, I come back to again and again and again is uh, adjust, look at the time frames. I mean I'd be afraid of not being in the market if you look at a 40-year market. You know, chart. I'd, so anyway, I'd be greedy. You like, have to, and and you know, in historically low interest rate environment, you're going to have to deal with more volatility if you want to be able to invest and get retire get to retirement. Yeah, I'm with you. Anyway, that's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at NewFocusFinancial.com. That's NewFocusFinancial.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Millennial women are flunking their personal financial duties. They're going to pay the price later in life. We'll talk about that and anything else that you have on your mind. 800-516-1220. Get your calls in the air. It's 
Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. Americans are on the verge of buying one million expensive cars. Latest signs that Americans are more comfortable paying for what they'll drive. The country is on the cusp of that major milestone. Um, what is an expensive car? Expensive car is a car fifty thousand dollars off, fifty thousand dollars, maybe fifty-five thousand around that level. Growth in sales of higher price models is stunning when compared with the auto industry overall. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Let's talk a little real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's done a refi for me, a refi or two, and an original mortgage or two for me. So he's my go-to guy when it comes to lending. Let's talk a little portfolio lending, Mr. Mendez. What's the word portfolio lending mean? Like, what, What's the concept here? A portfolio lender is basically a lender that's going to lend you a mortgage, okay. lend you money, and they're going to keep it on their books. They're probably not going to sell it to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Okay. But what it also allows them to do is kind of go out of the box uh, and give you different kind of guidelines um, that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac won't allow. The downside is is that they're limited on the products that that they offer you. They're going to be a little bit more risky, like usually an arm, and they sometimes can have prepayment penalties on it. But it, 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 it I think portfolio lenders have a great place in the market. They're picking up the slack that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac are, um, that, that they can't handle. Um, and it's a necessity, and I think it is leading towards the privatization of mortgages. And I think that it's kind of, you know, they're feeling it out. And I think there are, are ways for lenders to make money this way and help the society in the same uh, fashion. Uh, but there's so many different kinds of portfolio products and, and guidelines that are different than Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac. They do higher uh, calculations on asset depletions, condos that aren't warrantable, foreign nationals, pledged assets. Pledged assets are really interesting. You can actually have assets in your bank, move them to the bank that you're going to get the money from, and they count that towards your down payment, but you don't actually have to spend the money. Okay. That's called pledged assets. So you can put 20% down, but only put really 10% down and put the 10% in their bank. Um, you do self-employed for less than two years, high debt ratios, uh, recently listed properties. I mean, there's a long, long list. Uh, of reasons why portfolio lenders work in the industry right now. Now, portfolio lending, uh, one of the things that you brought up is that they kind of pick up the slack that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac can't cover. In the Bay Area, Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac typically can't cover necessarily um, the jumbo homes. I mean, there's some really expensive homes here that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac just say, you know what, that's not our cup of tea. Right, a jumbo loan is essentially a uh, portfolio loan. Okay. It, it's an investor that's that has set their guidelines, typically close to what Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac um, is doing, and they, we're not too far off of what Fannie and Freddie are doing. Okay. When we're in portfolio or jumbo, um, we're just looking at different ways to loan people the money at these different for these different scenarios, and that's where they really pick up the slack. Now, what else do we need to know about portfolio lending? And do we even need to know, or are you just magically going to get it's me It's different than private money. Okay. Um, private money is where you basically don't even show credit. You don't show income. You don't show – well, you do show assets, but you show more of a story, um, and it's more equity-based than it is um, than it is credit-based. But portfolio lending is still going to follow the same kind of guidelines where you need a good credit score. You need to have income. You still have to qualify under the ratios uh, that they offer. But you, you, when going into a type of loan like this, you have to understand that you're, you're, they're, they're putting you in a cycle. They're, okay. they're putting you in a cycle just like a bad credit kind of cycle where you're buying a car and you go back and you buy another car and, you, and you're always at the higher interest rate. You're just at a different kind of program. And some of the products that they offer are actually lower rates than you can get through Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. But, again, they're riskier. So it's not for everybody. It's interesting because I had a conversation recently at one of my events where someone's like, I want to buy a rental property for retirement. I'm like, okay, what I need to explain to you is that that's riskier than buying a real estate investment trust. I would rather you look at a REIT that's publicly traded, like an Avalon Bay, and then you're buying rental properties in San Francisco. Right. And Free and clear. A hundred shares is a hundred shares. A lot of investors, now that person may buy one and eventually end up with 10. Um, there's some rules that say you, you can't buy more than 10 properties on your credit, but some portfolio lenders allow that. So it is a tool that investors use as well. It's interesting to note because uh, I had to convince the guy that having a 
retirement property is a risk in mm-hmm. retirement if you lose the, uh, the tenant, if rates go up in the next 10 years, which I'm guessing mortgage rates go up in the next 10 years, then the, value, right, then the valuation of what someone's going to be able to afford is probably less because we're more how much can we afford centric than we are interest rate centric. Um, and the guy just looked at me with like glass in his eyes. It was kind of sad that he just wanted me to agree That's with him. because most of what he's hearing is that real estate's the end to your real estate problem or your re- retirement problems. It's yeah. the best way and fastest way to get to retirement and make money. You can find Tony Mendez, thank you, at BayAreaLoanSource.com. It's BayAreaLoanSource.com. Like I said, he's done numerous loans for me. He gets the job done. It's pretty thorough. It's a process. So know that going in that you want to borrow money these days or refinance money, it's going to cost you some time and effort. So you can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Um, one of the things that I teased was that millennial women, women are graduating college at a higher rate than men. They make a vast majority of household buying decisions. but And for the first time in history, they bring home half of the household income, which is why millennial women need to really up their game on financial literacy. Millennial women are considered the worst, according to um, surveys. Uh, in particular, they shirk their personal financial duties. It's a bad thing when you consider that women outlive men and typically die single without a spouse by their side. Um, one of the things you could do is you know, start by talking to your other friends. You need to be financially independent. Yeah, people should start learning concepts like family business meetings. Just talk about taxes, talk about investing, talking about goals. Uh, it's not that millennial women want to be ignorant of financial literacy. It's that we as a nation, I'm probably more likely to say, hey, let's get naked versus, and you're like, okay. But I can say, hey, show me your finances, and people clam up. Um, I've seen tattoos that I don't want to see on parts of bodies that people show me and I don't want to see, but yet getting people to talk about money, it's difficult. Uh, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. I'll check my email during this commercial break. Take a break. Be right back. Thanks for listening to the show. I truly and wholeheartedly thank you. Um, in my teens, like I was confused like everyone. What am I going to do when I grow up? And I honestly think I've had the best job of anyone on the planet. I feel blessed, and I don't use that word lightly, um, that I get to talk money and finances. It's in a very cathartic way in the sense that I get to say things like, hey, you know, you work from age 20 to 60 and you work and that's it. And then you live from age 60 to 100 and you better have enough money. I think I've done a lot of good. I think I've helped people, you know, wake up. 
and also, I don't get panicky and fearful, and I don't feed off that. So I've been doing this a long time, and I love the people that I do it with. So thanks. So got an email from a guy named Robert. He goes, I'm 27 and live very, very far away from you. When you're not, when you're on the air, I'm tied up at work. That keeps me from calling in. I noticed you bring up apps like Mint.com and Credit Karma. He says, I use these apps in Wall Street Journal's portfolio tracker. I really came across Wealthfront. Um, I was curious your opinion on it. Wealthfront and companies like that, and for the record, he lives in Chicago. He maxes out his 401k, currently has a brokerage account, and has a pension through his employer. He is the perfect age for that. People under 35 are also known as the millennials, uh, you know, roughly 18 to 35. Um, they like the robo-advisors. You know, something that you can plug your portfolio into and it'll automatically help you. I'd be cautious with it. We've learned that they're not very good during down markets. I'd be cautious in the sense that there's a lot more to financial planning than just answering three or four questions. But I think you could do it on your own, Rob, uh, <clears throat> with something like a Vanguard or a TD Ameritrade. But certainly, you know, the fees are low, and the diversification is better than you saying, you know, gee, I like, I like this company, and putting all your money in one stock. So robo-advisors typically put you in ETFs or something similar, um, very low cost, very low transaction fee. Um, it's okay. You know, like I said, I think you could definitively do better and wiser. Um, it's not as easy as saying, okay, there's an app, I'm going to use that, I'm done. Take a look at the markets. We started lower. We're moving a little bit higher. A couple things to study and figure out. Um, you know, I was bringing up Byron, Byron Ween recently. And he's the kind of guy who comes out with predictions, right? I told you that his predictions last year, he came out with 10, and they could range from like, commodities will rally, they didn't. You know, the dollar will rally, it did. But out of his 10 things, he was picked about four right. Um, one of the things he's talked about for 2015 is he thinks we're in favorable trends, higher employment. Hallelujah. <laughs> like, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, if I'm offending anyone in the world of religion, but Hallelujah. Um, higher employment keeps America moving forward. And if America moves forward, our economy's doing okay. If our economy's doing okay, we have jobs. If our jobs are there, we continue to move forward. And we spend money, we spend money, and stock markets go well, do well. So higher unemployment tells us 2015's not going to be horrible. It just doesn't happen that way. Now, they're could be a nuclear accident. There could be massive typhoons and hurricanes. There could be, you know, Putin nuking Ukraine. You don't know. We don't know the stories of 2015. Uh, Putin and Ukraine happened pretty fast this year, out of nowhere. Recent data shows higher paychecks for younger workers should help a lot. And we've seen improved small business confidence. That should help. Lower gas prices, subdued inflation. These are all positives. Growing consumer and retailer confidence. Now, for you know the worries out there, and you should always have them. Europe falling back into a recession. Not good for us. Driven by a slowdown in Germany, lower demand from Russia. Um, you know, a lot like Europe. You know, you continue to see economic stimulus for Japan and Chile. Uh, Japan and China. Um, there's some conflict issues out there for sure. Israel and the South China Sea. Um, Russia, Ukraine. Like, there's some conflict areas in the world. With that said, you know, don't don't assume that you're going to hit massive home runs. Okay. So I told you, Grumpy the Cat, a cat that has a scowl on its face, and it started off with like a social Facebook kind of post. The cat's made $99.5 million 
in two years. Like, keep that cat alive, Lee. <clears throat> the cat's owner is a woman named Tabitha Bundeson. And isn't it amazing? You know, Gwyneth Paltrow uh, last year made $18.6 million. This cat made $100 million. Okay, I, I know that's like a winning lottery or something. Move on to another story, Rob, because... You know, that's not my cat, right? A hundred million dollars. Oil has fallen to a five-year low. A cat's made a hundred million dollars. I don't care about oil. I'm fascinated by this. So oil's at a five-year low. Um, let's take a quick look at the actual price of oil. Let's see, where did we close? Um, $64 a barrel, down 2.2%. Wow. A couple months ago, me and CFP Chad Burton were talking. Oil was like $85. He's like, yeah, I see a low of 75 Clunk. That bottom fell out. It's at 65 64 right now. And again, that's not gloating or anything like that. That's just saying, you know, you expect one thing, you get a, a totally different angle. And you need to be good with that. <clears throat> 800-516-1220 calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. Anything you want to talk about, we could talk about money, investing, and more. One of the best things you could do for your financial future is max out your 401k. And you can tell that you've got a rockin' 401k if your company matches. It's free money when an employer matches your contributions. So and they're taking care of your future. They're helping you put money in the 401k. Um, you also want to see if your 401k is diversified. And you want to see some of the cheaper funds out there. That's a good sign that your 401k is rocking and rolling. Index funds help a greater share of assets um, stay diversified and low cost. Index funds have risen from about 10% of assets and plans with $10 million or less to more than 20% of assets and plans with more than $250 million in plan assets. So number of index funds offered by plans that were, you know, out there has doubled in the last six years. That's good. So that's a couple ways to tell if your 401k is rocking, and you want a rocking 401k. R-O-C-K in the 401k. <clears throat> McDonald's investors not loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-bop. Thank you. 2.2% uh, decline in sales last month. Um... Their food stinks. The quality stinks. And younger people are saying, you know what? Chipotle looks a little bit better. The food, not quite as <clears throat> low-grade. McDonald's has a problem on their hands. They, is it going to be a short-term problem or a long-term problem? I think it could be a lot like a Walmart, where it stagnates for a great period of time, but in the end it will move higher. YouTube offering bonuses to stars, some of their top stars, to not post on Rivals. So YouTube has com competition out there, and they want their stars to post on their website first, and you get a bonus. Um, YouTube remains fiercely popular. 100 hours of video are uploaded to the service every minute, and more than 6 billion hours of video are watched each month. Isn't that crazy? Crazy good. Uh, digital ad spending is going to match television ad spending by the year 2019, global spending on digital advertising is forecast to increase 15% next year, helped by mobile and social media campaigns. Digital expenditures in 2015 will reach $163 billion, or 30% of total ad spending this year. Starbucks is opening a new premium cafe with a lot better coffee. They're delving into high-end coffee market with a new kind of store that looks nothing like the coffee chain that you know. The first Starbucks reserve roastery and Tasting Room, it opened on Friday in Seattle, and the company has plans to build another 100 locations in the coming years. Um, I like Starbucks for the long-term patient investor. Walgreens in the news today. They've decided to join MD Live to access doctors via telehealth. Um, telemedicine is going to continue to grow. Everywhere I turn, I see a hospital or hospital beds or, or you know, new location popping up on a regular basis. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. Drop an email, rob at robblack.com. I'm Rob Black.
Did I mention that Grumpy the Cat made $100 million in two years? Doesn't that make you want to go out and like buy a cat? It's really ugly. Don't do it. Don't do it. You're not regretting it. There's only enough space on the stage for one Grumpy the Cat. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Um, one of the areas that I look at is the Internet. Not the Internet, but the IPO market. And it's into the year. A lot of bankers are trying to get you know these deals out so that they can put it on their books. Um, Linden Club is getting ready to come public. It's a developer and operator of the world's largest online marketplace connecting borrowers and investors. It provides an alternative. Some would argue a better way for borrowers to raise capital and for investors to generate solid returns. Keep in mind that you know lending money is typically dominated by the banks. This is an alternative for consumers and likewise some opportunities to generate attractive returns for smaller, non-institutional investors. Um, the IPO looks good, not great. Um, since it first launched in 2007, its marketplace has facilitated over $6 billion in loans. Um, the types of loans that they're doing are, you know, they, call, they, they break down their numbers in standard and custom. And standard program loans are typically three- or five-year personal loans made to borrowers with a FICO score of at least 600, and they meet other strict criteria. Their loans can be invested through the purchase of notes pursuant to the um, website disclosures. Qualified investors can also invest in the standard program loans via private transactions with a separate issuer not facilitated. Um, it's very high growth. The fact that Morgan Stanley and Goldman Sachs is bringing Linden Club, ticker symbol LC, uh, it's going to be very solid interest. So... Linden Club has a compelling value story to it. So they're providing borrowers with new avenues for capital that previously may not have been there. It gives small investors access to those borrowers. Now, there's always going to be, you know, younger companies coming up their ranks, but this is a lending company coming up the ranks of Morgan Stanley, Goldman Sachs. So there's going to be other markets get created out of this. I think the deal will do pretty good. The valuation will be negative, um, but the current growth rate and the current outlook will be very, very positive. There's other deals like Connecture that's coming out. Um, New Relic, what does New Relic do? You know, some of these companies you don't know. New Relic is a proprietary software analytics suite of products, cloud-based, helping it enable organizations to collect, store, and analyze enormous amounts of software data in real time. So, what's the value of that? It allows for pretty darn, darn good performance uh, in data-driven decisions. Some of their bigger customers, Twitter, Urban Outfitters, Answers.com, and Dow Jones. Now, I think on Thursday, it's called Momo. It's a Chinese developer of a mobile-based social networking platform. It's currently number three amongst social applications in China. Um, its monthly average users, its daily average users, are you know, basically making it a pretty big company. 2.3 million members. The Momo, Mo, the Momo mobile app is <laughs> available on Android, iOS, and Windows platform. And it does what you think it would do. You know, instant messaging, mobile games, find people nearby, message boards, topics, things along those lines. But there's no shortage of risks in a stock like this. It's losing a lot of money. Competition is out there. You know, their closest competitor company called Wixen, uh, which was developed by Chinese tech monster big company called Tencent. So IPOs aren't for everyone. And, you know, they're certainly not a big part of my strategy. But I like seeing what's out there and what's coming as it tells you where the speculation is. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. 
anything we want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Um, Japan's GDP, a little weaker than expected. China's trade surplus expanded. And both countries are needed a fiscal stimulus. Biotech companies are outperforming today based on Cubis Pharmaceuticals being acquired by Merck. Uh, Mergers and acquisitions, I'm not going to say instantly drive up prices, but push prices higher. Um, Because you see a valuation that one company is willing to give another company, so to speak. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. So, <clears throat> oil's a problem in the world. Oil is a plus for the U.S. consumer. That and the job market health should put us in a pretty good position in the coming months to continue to see gains in the stock market. Fed Vice Chairman Fisher reiterated the simple but very smart point recently that the Fed is data-driven. He said as much when acknowledging that the Fed would have to refrain from increasing interest rates if inflation doesn't move higher. Wage growth acceleration would admittedly be the spoiler of the unconventional view that the Fed will refrain from raising rates in 2015. The Fed's data dependent, so the most important piece of data for us is tied towards employment. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investment, and more. Find me online at robblack.com. Tweet me, Rob Black Show. YouTube me, Rob Black Show. Drop me an email, Rob, at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black. Talk to you soon. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.